welcome. Those of you, again, who are online or those of you who are here in the, in the first service, I, I, found, I found there's a little hook here. They, but I didn't know that's there, but that's what I'm going to use that for. So anybody after the service, don't touch that. That's not contaminated. I'll sanitize that when I'm done. All right? How many you know that we're living in an awesome time? This is just as <laughs> awesome is another word for it, but it's quite something. Um, but how many of you know, reading history, pandemics do end. They do end, okay? And so we need to be wise in the midst of them. And so we're going to continue today diving into spiritual gifts in our different series. This is a different time. And so we believe there's a different move of the Lord that is needed in the church, in all of our hearts and lives. Uh, and so we're going to continue to speak into spiritual gifts. And here's why spiritual gifts matter. is because we need every single one, whether you're here or whether you're home, we need every single one of you not just being passive, but being active, activating the spiritual gifts that God has given you, no matter how young you are or how mature you are, that we need the spiritual gifts. So when you, again, when we only, through, when we only see following Jesus through the lens of what we consume, we miss the whole heart of Scripture, that it's not just, there, there's two words that should never go together in the English language or in the church, in the looking at the Scriptures, and they are these, celebrity Christians. They should not exist. Really what it is, it is we are a body together. If there's only one celebrity in Christianity and his name's Jesus, the rest of us are, we're not the main characters, we're secondary characters in the story, and that we need all the gifts of the body of Christ, not functioning at the exact same time, because that would be super confusing, but we need them functioning all the time, 24-7, in and through our lives. And so again, you're not passive, you're active, you're necessary, you are vital to the body of Christ. And last week, pastors Rhonda and Lori did an outstanding job looking at these love gifts. Once again, we are pulling heavily on unlocking your spiritual gifts by Dr. Bobby Clinton, and then also Convergence by John Thompson. This really helped us shape this summer series. But last week, pastors Rhonda and Lori, uh, pastors Rhonda and Lori collectively did an amazing job walking us through the love gifts of administration. You have the spiritual, quick recap, if you have the spiritual gift of administration, God often brings you close to a leader and you begin to help a leader so that they can run further and faster and you can execute. Sometimes they can vision, you can execute. And God brings you alongside of, if you have the spiritual gift of administration. Uh, if you have the spiritual gift of helps, God uses you to help in a variety of ways, um, but he may not necessarily bring you close to the leader, but he may bring you close to someone else and you can just begin to help anyone, anywhere, anytime. If you have a gift of mercy, you don't run from brokenness, you run right to brokenness. Most of us, when we see brokenness, we run from it or we push back from it, not you. You run right into brokenness. That's what you absolutely dive into. And the last one, of course, is the spiritual gift of giving. We are all called to be generous. Every single one of us are called to bring our tithe, but there are those who have the spiritual gift of giving that go over and above, and we're going to highlight that one more, just one little essence of it as we go through. So again, love gifts, love gifts, if you're in the chat, you can write the word love here. We can just say it in our hearts. Oh, I hate saying that, but one day I can get you to shout out again. But now we can say it in our hearts. But love gifts, they demonstrate. There's the key word. Love gifts demonstrate, okay? Love gifts demonstrate. You may not speak a whole lot. You may not write a whole lot. But your whole life demonstrates. Love gifts demonstrate the work of God in our lives into such a way as they attract others to want this same kind of relationship. That's what love gifts do. But today we're going to look at word gifts. 
gifts. There's an old expression that if you've been around for any length of time in church, you've probably heard it. It's been attributed to a bunch of different people, so I don't know where it first originated. So I'm simply going to say, sometimes it's St. Francis of Assisi, other times it's other people. But someone once said this, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. But here's what I want you to know. The gospel always needs words. Okay, the gospel always needs words. It needs articulation. It needs, what is that? What are we talking about? Because again, a lot of religions have similarity, but the gospel is fundamentally different. Most religions are summed up by the word do. The gospel is summed up by done. And that you and I need to look at the finished work of the cross, talk about the finished work of the cross, remind each other of the finished work of Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, how it is so vital. And so today, we're not just talking about love gifts. We're going to talk about word gifts, words that we, you know, words that we speak, that we can write, that we can text, that we can engage with. And we're going to look at teaching, exhortation, and apostleship. Really, apostleship, pretty quick, but we're going to really look at this gift of exhortation because many of you at home or here, many of you have the spiritual gift of exhortation. In fact, you were just led by somebody with the spiritual gift of exhortation in Pastor Kayla. You were just led by her and it just flowed out of her effortlessly. Right? It's not manufactured energy. It's just what she did, does. During worship, just a few moments ago, she began to speak out, hey, if you're here and your heart is just getting hard, it's getting critical, I just want to exhort you. I just want to encourage you. Right? It is that spiritual gift of exhortation that we just were ministered to today. And so again, word gifts, by definition, here's what they do. Word gifts clarify the nature of God. That's what word gifts do. They clarify the nature of God and what he expects from all of us as followers of Jesus. People using word gifts, uh, they both communicate about God and then they communicate for God. Now, here's what I also want you to remember and why this is so vital. Everything in your life, so as we go through this summer series and we look at all the spiritual gifts, not only do I want you to identify the gift that you operate most in, but here's what I want you to know. There may be situations where God will use you in a gift that you don't oftentimes function in. It can be situational. All right, But also, you can use any of these gifts by spiritual discipline. You don't necessarily have to have a spiritual gift in order to engage it. You just have to know that it's a spiritual discipline. And what does that mean? And why do I say that? Well, here's why. I want you to imagine that you right now live on a property that has an acre of land. Now, for some of you are going like, I live on a property that has like 50 acres of land. Well, good for you. Most of us live in the suburbs where we have like a square inch and we're thankful for it. And we have people who come who try to sell us like, hey, do you want me to weed your lawn? I'm like, what, what are you, nuts? What are you, crazy? Like, yeah, I'm going to pay you to weed a square inch of grass. Not a chance. No way. If you own a weed company, I am so sorry. May God bless you and may he multiply your business in rural Canada. Okay. Rural, I should say. But I want you to imagine that you have an acre lawn, okay, just an acre lawn. And I want you to imagine that uh, the only thing that you're given to cut the grass is a rotary lawnmower. You know one of those lawnmowers with the two wheels and the blades that just go, no power, not even a lawnmower, not even a self-propelled lawnmower, just a road, one that you have to push. Now, here's what I want you to know. An acre's a lot if you only have a rotary mower, you can get the job done, but you're going to be exhausted doing it. I want you to imagine that you're one-third through the way of cutting the grass, and your neighbor, you hear the sound as of a mighty, rushing wind. And what it sounds like is he, just comes out, he or she just comes out of their garage on a riding lawnmower. 
and you begin to pray like you have never interceded before. Lord, may they have mercy on me. And all of a sudden they finish theirs and they begin to turn into your neighbor, into your house and your property and they begin to mow your lawn. What do they have that you don't have? You both have devices that cut the grass. They have a power that you don't have. So what you are doing in discipline, they are doing empowered. And here's what I want to say. Every single one of us through discipline can use any of the spiritual gifts. But why it's so important for you to discover the spiritual gift that God has given you is because you want to live your life mostly being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, not exhausted through discipline. Christianity is hard enough trying to do it through willpower and gritted teeth. You want to be absolutely empowered. And so again, everything is a spiritual gift that in our lives is not, everything which isn't a spiritual gift can be exercised as a spiritual discipline, but you need to be empowered. There are areas that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit in such a beautiful way that it absolutely makes a Jesus-sized difference when you use your gift. And so the first one I want to talk about is teaching, the spiritual gift of teaching. It is one that you may not all have, but we are exposed to a lot. Uh, when I was in university, I went to Carleton University. Anybody here online, put your hands up if you went to Carleton. In the room, did anyone here go to Carleton? Carleton, anybody? Carleton, 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 yes. I went to Carleton University for one specific reason. It's the only university that granted me acceptance. That's the only reason why I went to Carleton University. And my first year, I was like, yeah, I was, I was like studious, and I was there, I was wrestling different things with my faith, and then into my second and third year, I began to do something very, very interesting, and it was, began this journey of maybe seeing if God had a spiritual gift of teaching firing off in my life, but every essay that I was given and every exam that I wrote that had an essay portion, I would write a big line on the essay itself, and I would say, this is, this, is to, this is the best of my ability. I'm regurgitating all the information that you have taught, that I'm pushing it back at you. Um, this, is, this is my, and, and, and usually they gave me grades on that. Most of my grades were C plus or B minus, that I worked really hard. I worked really hard to get those grades. Uh, some classes I worked harder than in others. Um, oh, side note, and then quick story. Uh, when I went to university, it wasn't online, but you could actually go to the library and get VHS tapes. That's how old I am. And I've watched the classes, and I have an amazing short-term memory. And in my third year, one of my last classes, uh, I didn't go to any classes. I hope my parents aren't watching this. I didn't go to any classes at all. Well, I'm an adult now. I don't mind. I, I, go to, I, went, I, I didn't go to any classes, and I watched the entire course in the preceding three to four days, guess what my mark was? A plus. I got an A plus in that course. Thank you. Thank you for clapping procrastination and bad habits in one's life. Thank you for affirming those things. Here's what I want you to know. In life, you can get a good grade but have a lousy discipline. Ah. <laughs> turn the person aside. Don't, don't, don't. You can't turn the person aside. You don't do that. But in your heart, say, that was a jerk move. Don't set us up like that. Don't do that. Okay? All right. So anyways, I would write these lines, and then I would simply begin to ask the professors different questions in relation to my faith. And I'd say, hey, here, here's what you said about women's studies, or here's what you said about sociology, or here's what you said from a psychological perspective, or here's what you said about cognitive, here's what you said about Freud, or here's what you said about this, here's what you said about political science. And again, I'd write the lines, here's the information you've asked me to regurgitate, but here's all the questions that I have. And here's what I want you to know, that I really feel that my second and third year were my real education, because it got me into professor's offices and teacher's assistant's offices, where we began to talk about the gospel, talk about different worldviews, really begin to engage these things. Most times I was belittled. Truthfully, most times I was belittled. Most times I was dismissed. Uh, most times I was invited just to be made fun of. But you know what? Honestly, I didn't much care. Because God was using that time and that season to help me see the world through different perspectives. 
and it was a really healthy time. But he was also sharpening this thing that I didn't know that was really inside of me, which is the spiritual gift of teaching. Now, some of you teach at work, and some of you may teach for a profession. That does not necessarily mean you have the spiritual gift of teaching. That may mean you have the natural ability to teach or you have acquired skill to begin to teach. You may be eloquent but not necessarily have the spiritual gift of teaching because there's something distinct that happens when the spiritual gift of teaching is activated. A person who has the spiritual gift of teaching is one who has the ability to instruct, explain, or expose biblical truth in such a way as to cause believers to understand, to go, okay, I understand that. Maybe I don't accept it, but I understand it. I understand where you're coming from. I understand how this connects to that. So once again, in the body of Christ, there are those with the spiritual gift of teaching, and then there are teachers, there are theologians, there are different. So it's a little bit different, but when you sit under the spiritual gift of teaching, that's usually what happens. It can touch on believers' hearts. Mostly that's the gift of evangelism firing off, but it can touch on believers' hearts for sure. But there is this spiritual gift that goes, oh, okay, I understand that Jesus died for me. I understand that he loved me. I understand that he wants to use my life. I understand now why this connects to that. I understand why this doesn't just sit over here. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. If you have the spiritual gift of teaching, you don't only live your life with compassion. You live your life with biblical conviction. You're not someone who lives with or. You live with and. All right? And so again, take issues that we're looking at today in our world, whether they happen to be Whatever they happen to be, pandemic or race, very important issues. Even sexuality, for example. As a minister of the gospel with a teaching gift in a local church, you don't only view the, the, the topic of sexuality through a lens of compassion. How do we have care for one another? You also threw it through. You also see it through. How do we engage God's word? What does God's word say about this? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not connecting you as a spiritual gift of teaching. It's not connecting you just to a subjective truth. It's connecting you to the truth of God's word that fires off that is most vital. And so again, Again, it's different. Romans chapter 12, verse 7, to the one who teaches, it's teaches. That's where we see it in the scripture. Here's what the apostle Paul says to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. It says, keep a close watch on yourself. Keep a close watch. We talked about in weeks one to two. Keep a close watch on your character. Keep a close watch on your motive. Is your motive love? None of us have perfect character. None of us ever will. It's the journey of our lifetimes to become more like Jesus. None of us have perfect motives of love, but we always want to be looking at those things. And so Paul says, watch. Watch yourself. So watch your character. Watch your motive. And then he says to outside of those things, also watch your teaching. Watch what you're teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself. And here's the spiritual gift of teaching. You will save both yourself and the people who are listening to you. That's really vital. So spiritual gift of teaching is when the living word, Jesus, uses the written word, which is the scriptures, to bring transformational life change. It is the rule and the reign of God on earth. We live in a culture today that wants all the benefits of the kingdom. We want love. We want joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We want all of these things. We want equality across the board. We want the fruit of the kingdom. We just don't want the king of the kingdom. When you look at Revelations chapter 4, chapter 7, it says there'll be every nation, tribe, kindred, and tongue. This is reality when the king actually has full reign over his kingdom, which also has the eradication of sin and all of its permutations. And so again, there's this what's firing off was you're a teacher. Why is this important? Because teaching, not worship. Teaching, not serving. Teaching is the rudder of the church. It always has been, always will be. 
Teaching is the rudder of the church. It's where, again, a church is steered. It's where a life group is steered. It's where a home campus is steered. It's where students are steered. It's where kids are steered. That is why, again, as churches, we watch over the spiritual gift of teaching because it's the rudder, like on an aircraft or a boat or a ship, I should say. It is very, very small, but it sets the direction of where it's eventually going to begin to go. And so, again, people are developing in their gift. That's fine, but we often watch this spiritual gift of teaching because it's vital. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. To teaching. And then the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Okay? Oh, here, if you have the spiritual gift of teaching, here's a blessing with that. Or God gives you the gift and the, through a spiritual discipline where you begin to teach. Here's what I want you to know. So whether you're a child, whether you're a student, so you may be in our student ministry uh, right now and you have the opportunity to teach, here's what I want you to know. And I hope this sets in your heart what it does in mine. You may be, you know, on a, on a Zoom call, in a life group, a home campus, whatever it happens to be. Here's what I want you to know. The spiritual gift of teaching is the only gift that, Jesus, that the scripture says will be judged with a stricter judgment than every other gift. Do you want the gift now? A, it comes with a stricter judgment. In other words, God says there's less leeway on this gift because it's the rudder. It sets the direction for the church. So that's why we've got to be careful of what we're teaching not just what our lives are doing, but what we're teaching. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you, not many of you should become teachers. That's a word of exhortation that James may not have had, the gift of exhortation. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a stricter or the greater strictness. If you have the gift of teaching, though, this happens to you. People understand Bible truth because of what you say, whether that's in written form or spoken form. That's why it's a word gift. You have tremendous drive to help people understand truth and explain it to others. So if you have the gift of teaching, you know, you're the hammer and everything around you is a lesson for a nail. You just bang, bang, bang. My own kids sometimes give me the, the feedback of, could you just, in, in love, and, and dad, we, we love you, we honor you, we, we, we respect you, but could you just shut up? Not everything is an object lesson. Not everything is a teaching moment. Right? That's, that's my own kids who are online watching right now. They're, well, they're not. They're, they're, they're present. Are you listening? Probably not. Okay. Anyhow. They are. They'll, they'll start texting like, hey, I'm listening. Yeah, sure. You have a tremendous drive to understand. I was, ter I was the worst one in my family in devotions, by the way. The worst one. And God has repaid me fourfold because he's just so good. Um, so you have tremendous drive to understand truth and explain to others. Others seek you out often, ask you questions. Hey, can you explain this to me? Uh, when you teach, it is though God is speaking directly to someone. It's a supernatural thing that God can do. It's definitely not us. It's definitely what God is doing. It's a spiritual gift. And people grow to be more like Jesus. Using the spiritual gift of teaching, people actually do grow to be more like Jesus. That's teaching. Now let's talk about where most of us will fit. I do this, I've done this a hundred times, and I'll probably do it a hundred times more. Uh, those of you who are at home or those of you who are here, how many of you, in the, in, you're going to have to raise your hand in the chat. Here, you can just raise your hand. How many of you in your life right now have too much encouragement? Can I see your hands, please? Online, in the chat. So if, you, if you have too much encouragement, put your hands up, please. Okay, like one person. Great. That is awesome. I, that's awesome. If you have too much encouragement, you have amazing people around you. All right? Most of us need a fresh activation in the spiritual discipline of encouragement and exhortation. Because we're living in a world that is starving for encouragement and exhortation. If you have the spiritual gift of exhortation, though, here's what you are. You are a spiritual cheerleader. 
And I don't say that in a, dismissive, in a dismissive way or a diminishing way. But if you have the spiritual gift of exhortation, you don't look at people and just, it's not just positivity. That's not what the spiritual gift of exhortation is. It is not just positivity. It's not just fluff. It is not just saying what people want to hear. That is not the spiritual gift of exhortation. The spiritual gift of exhortation is a word gift, whether it is written in a text or an email you send to somebody, or whether it happens to be through a spoken word that you share with someone. But here's what you're firing off in your heart. You're not so much a teacher, but you want people to apply biblical truth for themselves. The spiritual gift of exhortation comes alongside and reminds you so you come alongside of someone who feels worthless and if you have the spiritual gift of mercy you're all comfort you are bearing their burden you are praying with them but if you have the spiritual gift of exhortation and encouragement you come along someone who may feel worthless and with words you begin to say I want to remind you who you are you are everything that Jesus says you are you are worth every drop of his blood you are his daughter you are his son you are not the last you are seated in heavenly places they begin to remind you of everything that you have everything that you are in Christ. And again, it's not just positivity and it's not just pumped up and it's not so that you can be dependent upon them. It's so that you can trust what God's word says about them. That's the spiritual gift of encouragement and exhortation. You use cards, texts, emails, direct messages, personal meetings, whatever you can, you bring this spiritual gift of encouragement. Romans 12 verse 8, the one who exhorts in their exhortation. The central thrust of the spiritual gift of exhortation is for others to apply, once again, biblical truth. It is the capacity to urge people to action in terms of applying biblical truth, to comfort people through the application of biblical truths to their needs, even loving rebuke them but with a genuine hug so if you have the spiritual gift of exhortation and encouragement here's what's amazing about you simultaneously simultaneously you have the ability to speak life and encouragement into someone and also simultaneously correct them and oftentimes they don't even notice it's happened so let me visually show you what it looks like if you have the spiritual gift of encouragement and exhortation you come alongside of someone you put your arm around them and you kick them in the seat of their pants at the exact same time and they oftentimes are walking away from a conversation and all of a sudden they realize they were hit somewhere three or four times in it. Like, wait a minute. You do it, you're not manipulative at all. You do it with kindness. You do it in a way that your heart is for people. You're doing it with a smile. You're fully there exhorting. So if someone has the gift of prophecy, you never have to wonder if someone has the gift of prophecy. Usually as they're developing in their maturity, it gets better. But in their, less, in their lower mature stage, people with the gift of prophecy, you never have to wonder because it's black and white and it hits you right in the face with full force. People with the gift of encouragement and edification is very, very different. They can be equally black and white, but once again, they know how to put their arm around you and then give you a smack. Truthfully, that's what they know how to do and they're actually very skilled at doing it. Most people with the spiritual gift of exhortation and encouragement, it comes out in one of three ways. Admonishment, which is corrective, gently, but it's corrective nonetheless. This gift of admonishment, hey, hey, in love, here's what they say. Hey, stop doing that. Hey, knock it off. But they don't usually use those words. What they usually do is say, oh, I hear you so much once again. But you know what? You're stronger than that. You're bigger than that. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. So why are you hiding back in here? No, come on. Together, let's step forward and see what you, what, what you can do. Now, again, people with the spiritual gift of prophecy or word of knowledge can be like, you're hiding. You're doing all these things. You're like, yes, I am. I'm so bad. No, it's just a different way of delivering the same message. If you have the spiritual gift of encouragement, but it also comes out as encouragement. People with the gift of encouragement and admonishment, you know what's amazing about this gift? Is they can see little progress in people and they don't... 
if you have the gift of encouragement and exhortation, you don't see people through a des- you don't see them through you know just where they can get a destination. You absolutely see the journey, and anywhere someone takes an inch step, you encourage it and edify it. You speak into it. You value it. Even if you can see it's not maybe not be kilometer kilometer, it's inch by inch. You come along and you can see that. Others of us with different gifts, we just can't see that. We're like, why the heck are you still there? People with the gift of encouragement, exhortation, excuse me, they were there, but now they're there. Right? We need all of these gifts. So you give admonishment, which is corrective, but it's, it's gentle, but it's corrective. You encourage, it is the cheerleading part of your gift. And you also bring comfort. You don't bring comfort, once again, same. People with the gift of mercy bring comfort very different. It's very visceral. I'll give you a hug. I'm going to bring you a meal. I'm going to do those things. And that's beautiful, and that's important. But if people with the gift of encouragement and exhortation, it's a word gift. And so they bring comfort, oftentimes, by reminding you about the character of God when you're hurting the most, that he's not forgotten you, that he's not not abandon you, that he's not deaf to your prayers. They remind you about these things. They use words, texts, cards, direct messages, and emails, okay? If you have the spiritual gift of exhortation and encouragement, this is what happens to you often. You frequently find yourself giving advice to others to do this or that. You frequently find yourself in a place where you're giving advice to others. You find the Holy Spirit gives you specific words to share with specific people. I have a friend of mine who every single day, he says, in the shower, he prays, Lord, who do you want me to encourage today? And someone comes to his mind, and he writes down when he gets out of the shower often, because that would be weird if you could do it in the shower, but he writes down the person's name and the word, and then he either texts them, emails them, gets a hold of them, calls them, and just encourages and exhorts them. That gift blows my mind, because I've never had a shower and said, Lord, who do you want me to encourage? today. I've never had that moment at all. Just never had it. I can do it through discipline, but it never just, he just fires off all the time. It's a beautiful gift. If you have the spiritual gift of encouragement or exhortation, people frequently confide their inner thoughts to you. You're trusted. People like to be around you. You have a high degree of likability. People love to share a truth from God's word. Oh, sorry, you love to share a truth from God's word to others. You love it. You don't do it as a teacher. You do it as an encourager, an exhorter. In fact, if you have, don't have the spiritual gift of teaching and you begin to try to teach, you usually pe- make people more confused. So stick in your lane. Just, just go for it. Right? You ever heard, come on. You ever heard anyone try to explain something at the end of it? You're more confused? Right? Just encourage and exhort us here. Just encourage and exhort us. Don't dive into like, hey, and then there are those with the capital T spiritual gift of teaching who when you read their books, you have to read their book with a dictionary because every word you're like, I'm sorry, what, what? Hmm? Okay, it's just different gifts firing off in the body of Christ. You want, people, you, want, uh, you want people to not just hear truth, but apply it. You share stories of how God is using your life because you know that God can use your life to encourage others. Now, final thing that I would say is this. If you have the gift of exhortation, exhortation or encouragement, here's what I want you to know. Every gift has a spotlight and every gift has a shadow. I joked with the teaching that here can be a spotlight moment and you go home and it's like, okay, just shut that gift off, please. Don't teach, just talk. So there's a shadow to all of these different gifts. If you have the spiritual gift of encouragement or exhortation, here's the shadow for you. You are the one who is often encouraging others, but sometimes you can feel lonely because it's not reciprocated. Others don't encourage you. Because in your family, in your marriage, in your friend circle, in your life group, in your church, in your home, you're the one exhorting. You're the one encouraging. You're the one pouring out. You're the one doing all these things. And it's beautiful. But sometimes there can be a pang of loneliness that says, like, I just wish someone would encourage me. 
okay? It's part of the shadow, which is once again why we all of us need to continue to grow in the spiritual discipline of encouraging. If you have an encourager in your life, uh, it won't come to you naturally, so maybe you have to schedule times that you just need to remind yourself to encourage them, okay? Just through spiritual discipline, because they also need it. It's kind of like if, as Pastor Lori and Rhonda shared last week, if you have the gift of administration, you may be serving a leader and they're getting spotlight and it can feel like you're kind of second chair in the shadow, getting it, really getting the hard work done and they're getting the praise and the glory and you're getting the problems. Every gift has a shadow to it, all right? In the scriptures, there's someone that you can look at if you have the spiritual gift of exhortation and it's Barnabas because here's what I want you to know is with the spiritual gift of encouragement or exhortation, you may not be the leader, but here's what I want to promise you. Without your gift, the leader probably won't make it. You may have the spiritual gift of encouragement or exhortation, so you may not be the point leader in what you're doing. You might be because you may have a leadership gift too, but if not, here's what I want you to know. Without you exercising the spiritual gift of leadership, I want you to know that your leader may not make it. I am, and leading Life Center, I am so grateful for the spiritual gift of exhortation and encouragement that God gives in the body of Christ. And let me say this unequivocally, without that gift functioning in our church, I won't make it, and I wouldn't have made it, and I will not make it. Leadership is hard enough that sometimes you need that. You don't need people always being yes people, but you need the spiritual gift of encouragement. I have people at Life Center who have the spiritual gift that we're talking about today who do this to me. Come on, Pastor Jay, you got, you got it. <laughs> they do both, and we need it, okay? It's good. It's good. Last one. So, sorry, Barnabas had a strong gift of encouragement. In particular, God used Barnabas in Mark's life and Paul's life. You know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? That Mark. And then the Apostle Paul who wrote about a third of the New Testament. Here's what I want you to know about Barnabas. Barnabas never wrote a book of the Bible, not one book of the Bible, but he encouraged two men who wrote 14 books of the Bible. Right? So it's just a different gift that we need in the body of Christ. And the last one is a very unique one that we're going to spend not a lot of time on, but it's the gift of apostleship. It's an apostolic gift. It's both a spiritual gift and it's a five-fold office. Here's what it says. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, and he gave the apostles, there it is, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So the spiritual gift of teaching and there's also the office of a teacher, okay? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. All that means, it's very, very simple. There's the, those with the spiritual gift that we're talking about and then there are those who are in the office. If you're in the office of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, it just means that you also have to do everything the gift requires, but you help others do. You equip the saints. You could be actually be in vocational ministry or you may not be. That's not the point. But you're actually equipping the saints for the work of ministry while you're exercising that gift yourself for the building up of the body of Christ. If you have this apostolic gift or the gift of apostleship, it is connected to the mission of God. When the pandemic hit, if you have the gift of, a, of an apostolic gift or the gift of apostleship, when the pandemic hit, your first response is a human response. Oh man, this is hard. This is horrible. Oh, this is hard. Your next response is, God, what new can you birth? What new can you do? You begin to look at opportunity right away. Not opportunistic, not to use people. No, 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 no. But you begin to look, how, God, can you want to use this? What may you be doing this? God, may you be leading the church into a pruning season. Then, Lord, let you prune us so that we can actually come out more beautiful and vibrant than ever before. I personally believe that God has allowed this season, not called this season, not created this season. I do believe the church is in a pruning season so that we can bear better fruit, good fruit. 
So let's not despise what God is doing. But again, that's how your heart begins to move. Um, the central thrust of this spiritual gift of, the, of an apostolic gift is connected once again to the mission of God. You love to create new ministry, plant new churches, expand, grow, engage those things. Did you know for Life Center, I just want to take a minute here to let you know that again, we are coming up next year, I think is our 40th anniversary as a church, 40 years we've been as a church. We have multiplied ourselves seven times over as a church locally here in the city. Life Center through Ottawa School of the Bible has raised up countless individuals who have planted churches and ministries all across Canada. Did you know in the last 20 years, God has blessed Ottawa School of the Bible, our Bible school here at Life Center, to start specifically in this city, 11 to 12 black churches in our city that God has used to start in Ottawa. Again, just we can come alongside. So these are important things. Look, God, how do you want to minister? How do you want to use our lives? If you're an apostolic church, which Life Center is, we're not overly concerned about seating capacity. We're actually passionate about sending capacity. And it's different. Which means that sometimes God brings people to Life Center for a season, and then he sends them away to plant, to build. And sometimes our heart breaks. We're like, oh no, you? You gotta go? Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta do what God's called me to do. Okay, the gift of apostleship should never ever be confused with this, though, especially in the church, you see this a lot. It is never to be confused with or rooted in uh, someone being itchy, always on the move, start something and move, start something and move, start something and move, start something and move. That is not the gift of an, apostol of an apostle. That is not a spiritual gift of an apostolic leader. That's the spiritual gift of an immature leader. Start, move, start, move, start, move, start, move. No, no, an apostolic leader knows how to start something so that it roots. When they move on, it can continue to flourish. It's different. The gift of apostleship refers to the special leadership capacity to move with authority from God to create new ministry structures, churches and parachurches, and meet needs and develop and appoint leadership in the New Testament, it is Timothy, it is Titus, it is John, and it is Juanita. In the New Testament, please hear me with both ears and whole heart, apostolic gifting in the New Testament is men and it's women. It is both. It is not one or, it is both and. Yet, if you have an apostolic gift, here's the thing I also want to challenge you with, uh, then you're also signed up for suffering. Apostles suffer greatly in the scriptures. Because if you're an apostle... Or an apostolic gifting, you never see leadership through reward. You only see it through serving. For you, there's no other kind of leadership. doesn't mean you always get it right. It's a pure leadership and expansion gift. Pushes boundaries and overcomes obstacles. Apostle means messenger or sent one or commissioned to represent another. Again, they start and they build and they expand the kingdom. They never function in isolation. They are always rooted and planted in a local church context. Always. If you have the gift of apostleship or an apostolic gifting, you have a strong sense of God's call on your life to establish new works. You have a strong confirmation on the part of the leadership of the local church. Yep, that's what you're a part of. That's who you are. That's what you're called to do. You face new situations sensitively. If you have an apostolic gifting, God may open doors to cross boundaries and generations and cultures that are actually closed to others, but all of a sudden that door opens up to you. It's not because of who you are. It's a spiritual gift in your life that is firing off. You have a personality who attracts people to do and to follow leadership. You can sense what God desires to do. You can smell it out. My father often says this, that you just stumble into the will of God. You're led by the Spirit, and all of a sudden you're just trying to figure it out. I think God wants us to do that. You're speaking to chase these whispers. You have this internal drive which can't be satisfied apart from people, seeing people being reached and enfolded into the church. And so I'm going to end here by simply saying these are word gifts that we've looked at today. Teaching, exhortation, 
which is where I spent most of my time, and then quickly, this gift of apostleship or an apostolic gifting. And so here's what I want to do in this moment. For those of you at home or those of you here, if you're here today and you have one of these gifts or you want one of these gifts, I'm going to ask you to stand. You can stand at home too or just kind of open your heart. But if you're here and you have a gift of encouragement, exhortation, a gift of teaching, or an apostolic gift, or you want one, you say, I I want one of these gifts, then I'm going to invite you to stand. And if this was like non-pandemic church, um, I would invite you and we actually lay hands on all of you and you'd pray because the scripture says to do. But it's pandemic time and so we are going to pray. So those of you uh, at home or those of you here, let's pray. Take your hand and put it over your heart. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this moment, we pray for an activation of the gift of teaching. Lord, we pray for the spiritual gift of encouragement and exhortation. Father, we pray for an apostolic gifting to be released on brothers' and sisters' hearts. Father, we thank you that we as a church need all the gifts of the Spirit. But today in particular, we pray for the gift of teaching, the rudder of the church that is so vital. Father, would you cause it to emerge? Lord, I pray that you would actually create blogs and there would be books and there would be speaking gifts and podcasts that are started as a result of what it is that you're desiring to do. Lord, I pray for those who are kids, those who are in their teens, those who are in their 20s, Father. Activate the spiritual gift that they begin to have influence, continued influence, Lord, and not just influence, again, that is in a local context. May it grow into a city context, may it grow into a national context, and even if your spirit blows upon it, an international context. Father, I pray once again that there'd be books written, that there'd be podcasts started, that there'd be things that you desire to do, spoken words, preaching gifts, teaching gifts activated. Heavenly Father, for those with the gift of encouragement and exhortation, Lord, I pray that you'd grow us up to admonish, that you'd grow us up to be able to encourage, that you'd grow us up then to be able to comfort. Father, grow these giftings once again, Lord, I pray that you'd put specific words and situations and people on our heart this week, this day, that we can encourage, that we can edify, that we can build up, and in love, putting our arm around them, correct them, so that they don't wander from the truth, but they are led into truth, to trust you for who you are, your nature, and your character. Lord, I pray specifically in this time, in the midst of a pandemic, for the spiritual gift, this spiritual gift, Father, to fire off in people's lives, Lord, so that even the come. Come, have them come alongside of people who are feeling true feelings, but their feelings are not leading them into truth. That they are having thoughts, God, that are true thoughts, but once again, not leading them to healthy places and to true places and to places where truly they will flourish. And when you play that gentle, corrective, encouraging and celebratory gift, this gift of exhortation, and finally, this gift of apostolic, Lord, we pray for new churches to be birthed in the city, new campuses to be birthed out of Life Center. Father, ways in which new ministries and parachurch ministries, Father, not separate from, not drawing from, not draining, but rooted in the local church, building up the local church, seeing your church explode within a city. Father, we pray for these apostolic giftings to be released in the church, whether it's at home or whether it is here. Father, would you activate these gifts specifically, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said in our hearts, amen.